0: don't have to read it just for this month or just for this day. Read it throughout the year. Read it every month, every week if you can. Lift up, support, share. Indigenous Voices Telling Indigenous Stories.
1: Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning! This podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Keep It Fictional. We are here today to celebrate and honor National Indigenous Peoples Day. We are five settlers, and we are coming from Port Lee Public Library. Which we would like to acknowledge uh, is on the unceded ter- traditional territory of the Coquitlam First Nation, which lies within the shared territories of the S'Klute, Kitsi, Musqueam, Ketite, Squamish, and Stó:lō Nations. This is our first time making that acknowledgement, but of course, uh, last week and the week before and the week before, we were still coming from those traditional territories, and we will be. Next week as well. So, I'm uh, hoping that's something we can maybe acknowledge in the future as well. I'm here with my colleagues, Kareem, Liz, Sadie, and Virginia, and uh, I am Fiona. I don't think I mentioned that yet. <laughs> uh, so, in honor of National Indigenous Peoples Day, we are going to be talking about. Uh, Indigenous literature from uh, Turtle Island, many of us settlers know as North America. Uh, And so when we say Indigenous, we mean Inuit, Métis, and the First Nations people of North America. And I cannot wait to hear what everyone has brought today. I think that reading Indigenous authors is Uh, both a revolutionary act and a necessary act. I I don't think it's really optional for settlers. It's something that we uh, need to do. And um, I'm so grateful that we have that opportunity. So I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to hear from my colleagues and see what they have chosen today. Why don't we
1: jump right in and start with Sadie. Sadie, what have you brought today? Uh, So I am going to be talking about a um, speculative fiction, uh, post-apocalyptic book by an American author, science fiction and fantasy author, Rebecca Roanhorse, and uh, Rebecca is from the O.K. Owinge community, O.K. Owinge Pueblo community, and African-American descent, and the book that I'm going to be talking about, I believe, was her first book, and it's called Trail of Lightning. Um, It is the first book in a series as well. um, And it takes place uh, at some point in the future, um, the not too distant future, after something that has been called the big water has occurred. Um, So this is because of uh, climate change, because of global warming, is basically a big flood that ended up killing a large majority of, um, of the world and um, destroying a large majority of the world. And so now in kind of this world that exists after this this great great flood, the world that we're living in is on what used to be the Navajo reservation um, in New Mexico. And it has now been transformed into an independent community and it is surrounded by a giant wall, a massive wall that was built um, not only by the people of the community, uh, but also by um, the Diné gods. And so it's very isolated, it's um, within this this kind of walled community. The gods exist, the monsters exist, the tricksters exist, magic exists, witches exist, and all of that sort of coincides and lives, lives freely amongst the humans. Um, So our protagonist of the story is Maggie Hoskey, and Maggie is a Navajo woman, and she is a monster slayer. So she has trained with the kind of a deity hero. He's called Nezani, and she is trained under him. He is known as the monster slayer. Um, he has trained her and she, for the last um, couple of years, she has trained with him, lived with him and fought monsters with him. Up until about nine months ago, when she goes on a bit of a frenzy, she kills a whole bunch of people and the next morning she wakes up and her mentor is gone. He doesn't say anything to her. He doesn't explain himself. He has not communicated with her since this time. He has just left Now, Maggie takes this um, as the reason as she is a monster. She moved beyond the point of humanity with her killing. And so um, Nezani no longer wanted to be um, in her life and decided to leave her because she is truly a monster. So in this world... Uh, Some people have what are called clan powers, and they can inherit these powers from either their mother's side or their father's side, depending on what clan they came from. Not everyone has them, and they'll kind of come about at times when they're least expected, but sometimes most needed. And so Maggie is somebody who has clan powers from both sides of her family, and these clan powers give her the ability to move as fast and as straight as an arrow, and also have quite a way with killing. And so Maggie is concerned that because of these uh, powers and abilities, she herself has moved beyond that point and has uh, truly become the monster that she hunts. So our book starts. Um, She has just been offered a job by a uh, a clan um, in the area. They have asked her to come and help save a child that has been taken from their village and she goes, not really sure what to expect, she's working on her own at this point, um, but she goes, they offer her a trade, she accepts it, she goes in search of this monster. When she finds the monster and the young girl, the monster is unlike anything she has ever seen before. She shoots it, she shoots it again, she shoots it again, and yet it still does not go down. Eventually she is able to kill this monster by taking its head off, but she realizes that there is more to this monster than originally meets the eye. And this monster is not something that was born, but was something that was created. And she's not exactly sure how it was created. So after this experience, she goes to visit a medicine man named Ta, who she has known um, through a variety of different uh, situations. He, he treats her as family, even though she is not family. He's sort of the closest person that she has allowed herself to be in contact with. She tends to distance herself, but Ta, um, he has saved her life a couple times. So she, she thinks very fondly of him. And so he tells her he took takes a look at the monster's head and he tells her that he thinks that there are witches that are creating these monsters and the witches that are creating these monsters are connected to Maggie and her past, because they are the same group of witches that killed her grandmother and left her abandoned. So Maggie is now on a search to find these witches. Uh, Ta has asked her to take along his grandson, Kai, who is a medicine man in training. There's a bit more going on with Kai than Maggie originally thinks. Um, They start to learn that he has more abilities than originally let on, maybe more abilities than the regular medicine man does. So they go off on a journey to try and figure out what is going on with these monsters, how they're being created, who is creating them. And along the way, they meet uh, Coyote, the trickster god who Maggie has had interactions with in the past. And Coyote does a little bit of help, does a little bit of not help along the way. And all along the way, Maggie keeps seeing signs of her mentor. Every kind of step of the way, she keeps seeing signs of her mentor. But she doesn't quite know if he's there, if he's not there, what his connection to all of this is. So I won't say anything more. I don't want to spoil anything at the end, but it is very compelling characters. I found really, really interesting characters to read about. Um, Maggie, you kind of have the very tough exterior, but uh, makes you kind of want to learn a bit more about her and break down those walls. Kai is sort of the opposite of that. He's a flirt. He's a charmer. Um, He tries to break down those walls. And from what he says, at least just be Maggie's friend. He just wants to be her friend. So yeah, it's it's a really good book, um, a really great story about that part of the world, which I, I haven't read a lot about um, kind of the New Mexico Navajo and those Indigenous peoples, as well as that part of the world. My sister lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico, so I know a little bit about it, but not, not a ton. So it's been really interesting to read uh, more about those Indigenous peoples and that part of the U.S. So that was Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Rornhouse. Holy kumole, that sounds cool. (laughs) It is. It's really like it's this awesome like mixture of the post-apocalyptic and then also bringing in all of these traditional traditional symbols and traditional gods and traditional ideas um, from the Navajo people. It's such a neat mixture, I think. Yeah, I
2: can't really think of anything else that's like, that's even post-apocalyptic, and then fantasy, like like straight-up magic. Like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I liked it. Yeah. I know that um, futuristic literature holds an important place uh, in Indigenous literature because it's so much about um, imagining possible worlds and reminding everyone that Indigenous people are still here and will still be here. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sadie. Okay, let's change gears and innie my mo. All right, I'm choosing Liz! I'm really happy that we're all here today to talk about books during this um, National Indigenous History Month. Although, like Fiona mentioned, uh, anytime time is a good time to be reading works by Indigenous authors and to learn more and to honor and to respect. Um, And with that, I do want to acknowledge, uh, respectfully acknowledge my family who are from the Hiltzak Nation uh, and Musqueam Nation by marriage. so thank you for having me. All right, so today I wanted to talk about a book written by somebody from the Seabird Island Nation, what is now known as British Columbia. Uh, And this author is named Therese Marie Mayo, and this is her debut book, a memoir, and it is called Heart Berries. Now, this is a compact volume, but um, Mayo makes the most of the space that she has. I know We've talked about novellas and short books in the past, so this one was definitely right up my alley in that respect, but do not underestimate this slim volume. Mayo has really poured her heart into this. She has talked about her journey as a woman coming to terms with intergenerational trauma and how that has affected her family, her parentage, herself, and ultimately her offspring. So she does chronicle her tumultuous childhood, her estrangement from her father. She enters into motherhood herself at a relatively young age, but after that point, she ends up being hospitalized, and it turns out that she has PTSD as well as bipolar disorder. In an effort to recover from her trauma as best as she can or to learn to express her feelings, she was given a notebook, and she was encouraged to write. And of that was born Heart Berries. The publisher for this book describes it at this part of her life uh, as revealing how difficult it is to love someone while dragging along shadows of shame. Something she had struggled with beginning from her childhood and up until motherhood and entering into a relationship with somebody that she loved dearly, but was finding it difficult to be in that relationship because of the things that she had unresolved within herself. Not much more I can say about this book, this slim volume, because she, Therese Marie Mayo, really has such power with her words. It's not a lot of flowery language. It's not a lot of, I guess, trying to prettify the things that she has gone through and the emotions that she has gone through and trying to um, raise them in grandeur. Uh, Rather, at times she's very unflinching in describing what she has gone through, what what other Indigenous people perhaps carry today in terms of trauma intergenerationally. And I'm so excited to, to find out what she'll be working on next, because I feel she is uh, truly a strong voice, not solely as an Indigenous author, but also as uh, an author in general. So I can't wait. So again, that's Heart Berries by Therese Murray Mayo
0: maybe Colleen, you can let us know what's next. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to choose something a little bit different from the previous books in terms of audience. So I have chosen a middle grade book. So that's, I think it's kind of sweet spot is we're for a really strong grade three reader to a grade seven reader or even beyond, but it is a chapter book of short stories. I know, shocking, shocking short stories, but I really wanted to highlight this particular book because it was one of the launch books of a new imprint called Heart Drum Imprint, which is being edited by Cynthia Leitish-Smith, who's from the Muskogee Creek Nation, and a very distinguished author herself who has kind of taken over this imprint that is dedicated to um, how they describe it, Native creators, so Indigenous creators, telling stories about First Nations kids set in the present and future. So this is really... Really exciting! I think it's Harper a Harper Collins imprint that it is being given over to uh, Indigenous voices and Indigenous creators, and again, edited by someone who is so oh, such a big name in the field. So she is uh, launching this entire collection with a short story collection called Ancestor Approved: Intertribal Stories for Kids. So this is a collection of what I really like is interwoven short stories. So there are a number of different authors from different nations, from different parts of Turtle Island, who are all kind of writing stories about a particular powwow, the uh, Dance for Mother Earth powwow in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it is taking kids from different places, different nations, different walks of life, rural kids, Urban kids, kids who have been to Powell's before, kids who it's a totally new experience, adoptees who are coming to this to experience their culture for the first time. It's just like a fantastic variety of stories. Some of the authors are just amazing big names Tim Tingle, Joseph Bruschak. Monique Gray Smith, uh, Rebecca Roanhorse actually also contributed one, Um, David A. Robertson, Christine Day. It's just like uh, an amazing combination of really established authors, but also new authors that the editor Cynthia Leitech-Smith is choosing to kind of raise up and, and share in this particular collection. And I really love that, um, that it's kind of happening in a powwow as um, Andrea Rogers at the beginning um, shares a poem about the importance of powwow. Um, Andrea Rogers is from the Cherokee Nation and the author of the really fantastic kids book, uh, Mary and the Trail of Tears. And she, uh, she wrote, a powwow is friends and family, a way to remember those who have passed on, a place for belly laughing, healing, and soul soothing. So in this kind of like very special space, all these different kids are brought together and you see them in each other's stories. So they might be a little background character in some. They might all go to the same place. Some of them are dancers. Some of them are spectators. Some of them are vendors. Some of them work in the food trucks. Some of them are selling t-shirts. Some of them are selling beadwork or books. One of the very distinct stories is from the point of view of a little res dog who decides to come along to the powwow. And you see that dog wearing this fantastic t-shirt that says ancestor approved, kind of snake his way through all of the stories in the entire collection. So you, as you're reading one story, you're like, oh, that's the character from that story. Or, oh, that's that's what's happening in, in that particular other one. So it's it's really fantastic collection that has humor. It has a lot of depth. So it talks about a lot of issues like tribal enrollment, what one of the characters described as Indian wannabes. So the problem of cultural appropriation. It talks about the stories of veterans, respect for elders. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's heart touching. Every story is just like a a fantastic new revelation. And what I really love about it is that each story kind of leads you down the path of of the other things that those authors have done and hopefully what they will do. So it kind of puts debut authors on your radar and makes you want to go back through the back catalog of all of those amazing authors and their stories. So I highly recommend picking up Ancestor Approved. As I said, it's a middle grade chapter book. It's got a little story for everything. It would work as a great read aloud um, in a classroom or at home or just to kind of sit down with some short stories and get like that different view of what a powwow would be like from, from different points of view. Great collection, can't recommend it enough.
2: What a beautiful concept that I feel like, I, I, would you say that that could also fit into the our Summer Reading Club category of something delightful?
0: It's absolutely delightful. I think I smiled through the entire collection. There's just something in it that just like All of it warms your heart. Every story has something really special about it. There's not a dud in there. Awesome. (laughs) All right.
2: Virginia, what did you bring today?
3: So, yes, I also have a short story collection. And like Corrine, short story is not my thing. (laughs) I know what is happening, but... I picked this because I feel like I have definitely a gap in my knowledge of science fiction that are written by indigenous authors. So I want to get to know more. So I figure, you know what, short story collection, just like Corinne mentioned earlier, is probably the best way to do it. Um, So I have for you Love After the End an anthology of two-spirit and queer speculative fiction edited by Joshua whitehead which is an author that fiona i can see her smiling on this off the screen <laughs> it's an offer that she talks about in one of the episodes so please do go back and watch that um so this is a collection of short stories yes and just before i go into this one i just want to like sneak another one in we also have taktumi which is an anthology of arctic horror stories so if you're interested in horror stories this is another great collection out there and i did not borrow it just because of this beautiful matte raven cover not because of that at all this one has a story i was just i'm halfway through it but this is a story that is sort of like these about these zombie-like creatures by Richard Van Camp, which is like tops any kind of like som- zombie story that you'll ever read. Really, really enjoy that. Anyway, so check this one out too. Love After the End is a set of stories that is set, as they say, the end. So this is a dystopian story that is set in an apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic world. And as Joshua Whitehead and one of the story characters pointed out, Indigenous people are living in a dystopia. They have been living in a dystopia for generations, and they have been trying to rebuild their culture and their language for many, many years now. So with that in mind, these stories are told through that lens and it tackles a lot of the science fiction themes and topics that when you are looking at through that lens, it changes the whole idea of what they are, like space colonization, for example, a common theme in science fiction. But through that lens, it it means something completely different. And what he said also he wanted to pick for these stories is emphasize on that love. Emphasize on that resilience of Indigenous people. And as the back of the book say, it is the how queer Indigenous communities can bloom and thrive during these times. And that's what these stories are. Very, very hopeful kind of speculative fiction story. There are nine stories in here. Um, so it was great to get to know nine new authors. Um, my favorite is probably still the first story, which is called Abacus. It is by Nathan Adler. And this story is about a bioengineered AI rat that has become sentient and now he is controlling and rewriting his own program and he was rescued by a human boy and so now when he interacts with this boy he projects himself as a hologram as another boy. They hang out together and of course they've developed a relationship and developed some feelings for each other that they don't quite know how they work just yet but now that he is like self-aware, he wants to go join the other rogue AI. He wants to be there with them and live with them, but that means he's going to have to leave his friend, and he's not quite sure how he's going to do that yet. So that's the that's probably my favorite story in here. Um, but there's another story here called "History of the New World" um, about a same-sex couple with their child, and they're trying to decide whether they should leave Earth or not because Earth is no longer habitable, and scientists have come up with a portal that can take everybody to a alternate reality one parent is convinced that that is what you need to do for the family the other one not so much because they don't want to leave earth which is their home for a while and also of course it, it gets into the whole idea of like this new world that you speak of is it really uninhabited as the scientists claim or are their life there? So it, it tackles that that big theme in 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 science fiction, and then there's another story about storytelling and how there's this group of people that whenever they listen to a story, whenever somebody share a story with them, and they truly truly listen, that a mark will appear on their skin, and when you touch that mark again, then you're able to share that story again. But these people have been chased away by others, and they have been sort of erased and now they thought that they have eliminated all of them but this is the story of one of the survivors, the only survivor that is left and how she plans to bring that story-telling t- culture back, even though nobody has that ability anymore other than her. So like I said, lots of themes that you would be familiar with in science fiction or speculative fiction, you know, there's like virtual reality, there's like motherships and all sorts of things like that, but being told in a completely different lens from a different perspective. Um, so highly recommend it. Love after the end an anthology of two-spirit and indigenous queer speculative fiction edited by Joshua Whitehead.
2: Thank you so much, Virginia. Um, So I have uh, just decided right now to change my book. (laughs) So excuse me for a minute, but um, I I was going to talk about uh, Billy Ray Belcourt and his memoir, uh, A History of My Brief Body. And I I think that I will probably talk about that on a different day because it's really uh, fantastic. It's very similar in structure to Liz's book. So I wanted to take a chance to talk about something else because when Green was talking, I was reminded of this book I read a few years ago called uh, Powell Summer by Nahani Shingus. And it is a YA coming-of-age story for me, it's that sweet spot in YA. It's it's um, just about teens, regular uh, day-to-day life, and them learning about their identity and who they are. And this one is all about a specific summer after River graduates from high school. So for me, that's that like just perfect kind of YA and such a good summer week. It is, like I said, by Nahani Shingus and she is lives on Stony in Stony Creek, um in Celto and is originally from Rousseau River, First Nation in Manitoba. So um in this book, River has just graduated from high school. She's grown up with her white mother in Ontario, and her father has been largely absent. He lives in Manitoba uh, on reserve and she doesn't see him very regularly however this summer she's going to go live with him she's excited but she doesn't really want to leave her boyfriend and her friends and she's sort of in that place that some people are after high school uh, where they're not exactly sure what comes next so she goes to stay with her father and her grandmother uh, on the reserve and she spent her whole life being ostracized for being not white enough, she finds that when she comes to the reserve, they think she is not native enough. She rushes headlong into learning about her identity and gets a lot of backlash from the kids her age who live on res. When she gets drunk at the powwow and posts some pictures of herself afterwards with a hashtag about Indigenous identity, some girls get it out for her. This is um, a book about coming into yourself, acknowledging all parts of you, and a very much about about uh, being mixed race and finding yourself, finding where you belong when you feel like you're not enough of this or enough of that. I really love River's uh, relationship with her dad. He is sort of, like I said, absent when she's growing up, and he is at the point where he's reckoning with that, and he's ready to to be a better father figure for, for River and actually open up to her about the difficulties in his life that sort of led to him being absent, like intergenerational trauma. It was a, a great book dealing with difficult issues in a very like realistic way and still maintaining um, just just a realistic and and a lovely vibe with some of the, you know, The usual themes of YA, bullying and not fitting in, but from this really great character who is very self-confident, but just can't quite find where she fits in. Totally, if you're looking for a great summer read, I suggest picking it up. It's always, it's so hard to choose. I am, I'm really looking forward to talking about some of Billy Gray Belcourt's books in the future, but for now I will leave you with that anyone have anything that they want to add before we go today you know just throwing in some extra books here and there <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that a lot of us did a lot of cheating yeah yeah that's great well you know the more the more choices the better right read them all
0: too true read them all read them all they're all great as I think Liz often says, you know, you don't have to read it just for this month or just for this day. Read it throughout the year. Read it every month, every week, if you can. Lift up, support, share Indigenous voices, um, in- Indigenous voices telling Indigenous stories so that um, they can get the the appreciation and recognition that they deserve. Because as you said before, we're very lucky to have those those voices writing and publishing and those stories available. So we need to as, as readers, make sure that we support that any way we can. Well, thank
2: you all for enjoying this. Enjoy- <laughs> thank you all for joining us. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. We assume you enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, we will see you all next week for another uh, personalized episode where we recommend books that our colleagues may or may not like. See you then.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional.